0: We've been doing a series called God Is. We've been learning together more and more about the character of God, and it's been based off of a little saying that we've been kind of getting used to around here. It goes like this. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. One of my favorite stories in all of scripture comes from Mark chapter 4, okay? The story takes place on the Sea of Galilee, and I actually got to take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee about a month ago. In fact, I'm going to show you some pictures and some video. This is what is known as the Lake of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, where this story actually takes place. And if you look at it, it's very beautiful. It's quite calm And a lot of people would go, it doesn't look like that big of a lake. Okay, we're actually going to get some close-ups here. So you can actually see it's very beautiful. It's a nice area. And we got an opportunity to go out on a boat. And even though it looks very calm, here's what you need to know. More fishermen die on that lake than on the Bering Sea every single year. It's unbelievably dangerous. In fact, I talked to a fisherman. He says, if you're out on the water and you feel even a breath of air from what is known as Dog Canyon... You got about 10 to 12 minutes to get to shore or you're going to be in an unbelievable amount of trouble. It's a dangerous place. In the blink of an eye, a storm can come up because it's the only place on the face of the planet where four different weather systems actually converge on one geographical location. And that is exactly what happens with Jesus and his disciples. We're going to start reading in Mark chapter four where the Bible says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, so it's Jesus talking to his followers. He said, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall or a storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Okay, so you can just imagine you're out in a boat, and all of a sudden a storm comes up. Let's make a storm. All right, here's what we're going to do. We've got people sitting in eight different sections. Each of the sections, I'm going to point to you one at a time, and I'm going to give you something to do, okay? We're going to start by rubbing our fingers together. Don't snap like the Saturday night crowd did, because that was awkward, okay? We're going to start, and I'm just going to keep incorporating other groups. And whatever I, I point at you and show you to do something, I want you to do it along with me, and we're actually going to construct a rainstorm right here so that we get an idea of exactly what happened with the disciples that day. Okay, you Ready? everybody's got to be really, really quiet, and we're going to start with the two back sections in the corner. Okay, adults, participate. <laughs> okay, ready? Back two sections. Here we go. Okay. And when, I, when you start doing it, keep doing it. Okay? Here we go. Shh, you got to listen. And the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind. And he said to the storm, waves. Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey In that moment, we learn a very, very powerful truth about God. That God is protective. Okay, if you've got an outline, kids, I want you to take it out, and you can fill in the blanks as we're going along. God is protective. Okay, let's go back for a second. Did you hear the question the disciples asked? Teacher, don't you care that we drown? We all have those questions, don't we? God, don't you care that I'm failing algebra? God, don't you care that I've got to deal with a bully? God, don't you care that my job is not going the way that I expected it to? God, don't you care that that, that my marriage is upside down? God, don't you care that I'm losing my mind with these kids all summer long? God, don't you care? Why are you taking a nap while I feel like I'm drowning? Everybody asks those questions. The truth is, when we're afraid or feel threatened, it doesn't feel like God is under control. In fact, it feels like we're about to go under. And the truth is, we all feel that way. I don't care if you're 4 or 64. You have moments in your life when you just wonder, is God really and truly in control? Well, we're going to move to another story in the Old Testament. King David was a man who felt exactly like that. He kind of felt like he was going down for the last time, that God was ignoring him, that God was asleep on the job. Let me tell you what was going on, okay? King David was the king of Israel. He had a son by the name of Absalom. Absalom was actually trying to steal his father's kingdom. He wanted to be king. So he was trying to actually steal that and take it away from King David. Okay, you can imagine if you're a father and your son tried to steal your kingdom from you, how you would feel. Okay, so if you're a dad in the room right now and you have a son with you, I want you to look him in the eye and repeat after me. Don't even think it. Okay, that's what we're looking for. All right. But can you imagine how painful that would be? Well, David feels lost and alone because Absalom actually pulls it off. He steals the kingdom and David has to leave His palace, which is in Jerusalem, he has to leave the city. And everybody comes and lines up and watches David as he walks out of the city with his head down in disgrace and shame. Listen to 2 Samuel 15. But David went up to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. And his head was covered and he was barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads too because they were weeping as they went up. Okay, so David's head is down in disgrace He's embarrassed. He's ashamed. Here's what else we know about King David. King David was a songwriter. And when songwriters have a broken heart, you know what they do? They write songs. And we have David's song that he wrote right after this happened in every single Bible that's ever been written. The song that David writes is known as Psalm 3. Okay, let me read it to you. In fact, if you open your Bible, just to make sure that I'm telling you the truth, if you go back and look at it, you may find a little description beside Psalm 3 that says this happened. David wrote this psalm after his son Absalom chased him out of Jerusalem. And David says this, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. And that's kind of what happens, right? We pray and we say, God, I need you to help me. And people are watching from the outside. And their biggest question is this, where's your God now, David? David. Where's your God now, Randy? Where's your God now, Ben? Because something didn't go exactly the way that we had planned it or wanted it to go. That's what happens. But David has an answer to those people. He says this, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail or attack me from every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all of my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Okay, I love the fact that David has a human moment here. Because you know what he's praying? He's praying. I know I'm not supposed to punch people in the mouth, but that doesn't mean I can't pray that God doesn't punch them in the mouth. And that's what he says. I mean, just, you can actually read it. He says there, strike all of my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. David's frustrated. He's human in that moment. So once again, I'm not advocating violence. I'm just saying, you shouldn't punch anybody in the mouth. But there is nothing in the Bible that doesn't say you can't pray that God won't punch him in the mouth. Just saying, it's biblical, okay? And then David says this in verse 8. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. So kids, here's the deal. In this room, we do the same thing you do on the other side of the wall. We read a piece of scripture and then we ask ourselves the question, what can we learn from a group of disciples who are afraid? What can we learn from a guy who's lost his kingdom? What can we learn about the fact that God is protective, okay? Here's what I learned, and you can follow along in your outline. When I feel afraid or threatened, this is one thing that I know. I know that my situation is known by God, okay? Okay? Once again, I don't care if you're 4 or 64, you need to know this. God knows about your storm. God knows about your struggle. God knows about your business. God knows about your illness. God knows about your bully. God knows about your struggle with math. If you struggle with math, welcome to my world, all right? That's how it worked in me. I loved English and geography, that math stuff. If you actually like math, put your hand up. Okay, can we have a moment to pray for these people just to help (laughs) them out? Wow, God bless you for doing that. God knows that. He knows the struggle. He knows what you do well. He knows what you do poorly. God knows our story. I love the fact that I have confidence in knowing that nothing that happened to me last week caused God to sit up on the edge of the throne and go, wow, I did not see that coming. He knew everything before it began. He knew every single detail. God also knows this. God knows there are evil people that do evil things. God knows that sometimes we get hurt. God knows that sometimes life is not fair and that there are times when we're questioned, just like the disciples. It's like, God, what are you going to do? We're in the middle of a storm here, in case you haven't noticed. David goes on. He says from his heart, God knows, and because God knows, this is what I can be confident of. David says, My confidence is in God. Listen to what he says. He goes, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. David says, I've got confidence that even though enemies are coming from every single different direction, I don't have to worry because my God is a shield that surrounds me. On every side, God is shielding me. Right now, God is protecting. He's placed a protective covering over every single person that is his child because that's the heart of a father. You know, when we were living in Manitoba, we used to have these wicked thunderstorms that come up. And when my kids would get scared, you know where they would run? They would run to our bedroom because they wanted to know that dad was there. Actually, they wanted to know mom was there, but it made me feel better to think they were coming for me. So anyway, but they knew mom and dad were there and that they would protect them no matter what. God is a shield that surrounds us. You know, we celebrate a holiday, which is interesting to me. We call it St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick is known for, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day by wearing green and looking at little four-leaf clovers and Some of the adults in the room do things they're not supposed to do on St. Patrick's Day, just saying. Um, And the truth is this, St. Patrick was an unbelievably passionate follower of Jesus. He loved God with his whole heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And on the inside of the breastplate that he wore, because he was actually a warrior, on the inside of that breastplate were etched these words in the steel. Christ ever with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me. Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ to my right side, Christ to my left side. Christ in his breath, Christ in his length, Christ in his depth. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks to me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that sees, Christ in every ear that hears me. God is a shield. He's completely encompassing us. And because of that, once again, I don't care if you're four or sixty-four. If God is for you, who in the world could possibly be against you? David goes on and then says, he says, God is not only my shield, God's my glory. That there is something about God that fixes my eyes on him, even when the storms are raging. See, David had a promise. God had promised David, you're going to be the king of Israel. So even though he knew that this momentary trouble time had come into his life, that at some point he was going to sit back on that throne, because God had said, you're going to be the king of Israel. Of Israel. So David makes a decision. Even though all of this is going on around me, I'm going to fix my eyes on him so that whatever good comes out of me in the midst of this brings glory to God and not just to me. You know, it's amazing to me. When storms happen in our lives, followers of Jesus are instantly turned into mirrors. And we either mirror the chaos of the storm around us or we mirror the calmness of the God who is so unbelievably in control of what's happening, he is so relaxed because he's absolutely in charge of everything to the point where he can take a nap in the back of a boat while there's a storm going on. People are either going to see a reflection of the chaos or they're going to see a reflection of God. So here's my question. What are you reflecting right now if you're facing a storm? Do people look at you and just see more chaos and turmoil? Or do they see a calm confidence that says, I'm so confident, I'm confident to the point that I could actually take a nap just like Jesus did. Let's keep going. David also says, God lifts my head in confidence and pride. Some of your Bibles will say this, he's the lifter of my head. That's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, you kind of get a picture of God grabbing a hold of your dome, you know, and just kind of propping it up and look right here, right? Right? Some of you have heard a kind of a modern equivalent of this. Maybe you've had a difficult season in your life and somebody came along to try and encourage you and they said this to you, two words, chin up. Ever heard that before? Chin up. Now that's kind of interesting because it's kind of like, well, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? When, you, when you're experiencing a storm in your life, you're supposed to kind of brace yourself and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and lift your head up high and just keep marching right through the middle of it. You know what's beautiful about what scripture says? Scripture says God never comes to a discouraged child and says, chin up. Instead, the Bible says that he is the lifter of their head, which means this. Every time you're discouraged, he places his finger under your chin and he lifts your eyes so that you look directly into his face because that's where your confidence comes from. What happens, right? We get our head down. We can start looking at all the circumstances. Everything is just so wrong. Everything's freaking out. I have no idea how this is going to come together. And God keeps calling us as kids over and over and over again. Lift your eyes. And God will actually put his finger under our chin and lift our heads so that all we can see is a picture of the God who's completely and totally in control. Let's go back to the boat for a second. One of my favorite phrases in all of Scripture is the one that I got to yell at you over top of you guys doing all that kind of stuff. Quiet, peace, be still. Because let me tell you, I studied for a long time, had to take classes in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all that kind of stuff. The original languages that the Bible were translated in. That little phrase, quiet, be still, is actually the same kind of a phrase that a person would use towards their pet. So let me translate it, what it means in modern terms. Jesus gets up in the, the bow of the boat, and this is what he says to the storm Hey, little puppy, zip it. Hey, squawking parrot, enough. Hey, little mouse, too much squeaking, quiet down. It's like an owner of a pet speaking to an animal. And that's what God says to a furious storm that has the reputation of actually killing and drowning people. And God stands up in the bow of the boat, and this is what he says. It's like, excuse me, little thing, just pst, stop, stop freaking out my kids. Enough. And this is the beautiful thing. The storm obeys. I love the fact that the storm didn't even, it wasn't like the storm argued with him. It's like, yeah, no, I don't think so. We're gonna throw a little hail in here, see how this goes. No, absolutely not. The storm's just, As David's storm quiets, his confidence also grows. And this is what he says. Listen to this in Psalm 3, verse 4. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands attack me on every side. Here's what David is singing. David's singing, my deliverance comes from God. He's so confident that he can take a nap. Let me talk to the adults in the room for a second. Have you ever watched a small child sleep I mean, they're just out cold, right? You know? Adults in the room, the spiritually mature people of Christ the King Church, let me ask you a question. How are you sleeping these days? Are you sleeping like a three-year-old because they've got absolute confidence that mom or dad's going to look after you? Let's be honest, or are you tossing and turning and fretting and freaking out and making plans and wondering, how am I going to do this and how am I going to do that, how am I going to do that? Is it any wonder that God, in one of the most amazing moments in Scripture, said, if you want to figure out what you're supposed to be, he picked up a little kid and he put him right in the middle of the crowd and said, be that way. Not childish, childlike. Rest easy. Rest easy. If you truly believe that God is protective, why do you have any reason to fear? Let's wrap this up. I kind of put it in a little nutshell this way. I said, because of what I know to be true, that God is protective, I will not live in fear. Let me finish up with the story. The bully of Lyndon Lane's elementary school in Brandon, Manitoba was a kid named Larry Wootkey. We called him Larry the Wookiee Wootkey. Star Wars just came out and he fit the bill. As I remember it, Larry started shaving when he was four. (laughs) He was six foot three in the third grade. He didn't have a neck. It was just earlobes and shoulders. And he scared every single kid at Linden Lane's elementary school. And every year, we faced exactly the same thing. During the wintertime, they would dress us up in our winter garb and send us out to face two forces of nature. The winter of Manitoba in Canada, which is cold, and Larry the Wookiee Wookiee. The problem in winter was this. They dressed us in multiple layers of clothing so that we stayed warm and did not freeze. Didn't turn into small little child popsicles. And the problem with that was that it didn't mean you couldn't run as fast. And so it was a pain when the teacher would come and say, it's time for recess, and you got to put on a wool hat. We called them toques in Canada. You got to put on your mitts, your boots, your gloves, your ski pants, your three jackets. I mean, just to stay alive in the elements. And then you had to go outside, and you had to face Larry the Wookiee. Larry did not like me. Larry did not like me. As nonverbal as he was, I was that verbal. I didn't have much going for me, but I had a mouth, you know, and I could talk. And that, for some reason, just drove Larry to be, I me. Mean, I was the focal point of his anger every single recess. So he would chase me, catch me, push my chubby little face down in, into, the, into the, you know, the, the crystallized snow of the Manitoba tundra. Are you feeling my pain? You know, is it any wonder I'm still in therapy? I mean, I'm just, and he would, that's just what he would do every single day. And finally, one day, I'd had enough. I'm just like, I'm done. I'm finished. Anybody seen the movie, We Bought a Zoo? The dad has this great moment, right, when he tells his son, you just need to su- summon up 20 seconds of courage. And I promise you, your life will change. I hadn't even seen the movie, but I did some math in my own brain. And I figured about 12 seconds of absolute courage would serve me very well as I face down my bully, Larry the Wookiee. So one day, I decided that's what I was going to do. He came after me at recess, and I turned around and said, Larry, we're not doing this anymore. I'm not running anymore. I, 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 I'm just done. I'm done. Somebody had to stand up to the bully. And I remember hearing two sounds, Larry hitting me and me hitting the ground. Those were the two sounds, and then Larry was on top of me, and I remember him. i looking up at him, and he's like got his knees on my shoulders, and he took off his mitten because he wanted a better shot at giving my parents a great dental bill, and he looked at me with all of this anger, and I remember closing my eyes thinking, this is not good, and then, boom, Larry was gone. He's just gone. And I'm, you know those moments when you're kind of waiting for something and it doesn't come? All of a sudden, I realized somebody had intervened. Somebody, another kid, had come and had literally flying tackle blocked Larry right off of me. And I was so touched and so moved until I saw that it was my sister... Because if you're a guy, you get it, don't you? It's kind of like, I just, this is not going to go well for me. Like, she saved me, and I'm thankful, but now every girl in the school is like, yeah. (laughs) I remember all of the nights that I prayed that God would help me with my bully. And I always wondered why it took him so long. You know, I can look back now and say there were a lot of lessons to learn. God was teaching Grant that he had to get this little thing under control a little bit. He was also waiting for a perfect moment when he would actually bind my sister and I together. We actually still talk about this every once in a while. I remember this, though. I always focused all of my prayers on the how I wanted God to deliver me. I probably should have focused a little bit more on the who, right? (laughs) A dude would have been more helpful in my world. I'm just saying, okay? Just saying, all right? But the bottom line was still this. Even though I didn't know how it was going to happen, God protected me. And whatever you're facing today, I can't promise you that the protection is coming tomorrow. I can't promise you it's going to come in exactly the way that you've got it planned out in your mind. What I can promise you is this. If you are a child of God, God's heart is to protect you because that's what good fathers do. And my prayer that tonight, as you go to sleep, is that you'll be able to close your eyes and rest. Just like Jesus was resting in the stern of the boat. Because you are absolutely confident. That the God that you love and serve, with one word, can calm the storm that's going on in your life. Let's face it. uh, We make a lot of storms on our own, don't we? We stir up our own stuff. May the God that speaks to storms also give you the wisdom to understand what's your part to own. Because sometimes we just need to reflect the calmness of God in our own spirit instead of the rage of the chaos that's happening all around us. When people see the reflection of Jesus in us as we face a storm, that's when God has opportunity to do incredible things and to show to other people that he truly is protective. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, thank you. Thank you for what it means to be taught that you are protective, God, I thank you for every person that was able to hear this, and Lord, whether whether we are four or 64, I thank you that the truth of Scripture is just as applicable to every single age group. So, Father, I pray for families today at Christ the King. I pray for fathers to be active fathers in the lives of their children. I pray for mothers to be active mothers in the lives of their children. I pray for children to be loving and respectful and to honor their mother and their father. God, I pray... For the amazingly courageous single parents that are in our room today, God, may they know that you are their protector as well. So, Father God, we just lay our family before you, our Christ the King family, from the littlest to the largest, from the the youngest to the most mature. Father, may we today hold within our hands the preciousness of Scripture. and May our lives forever be changed. So, Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to worship together as an entire family. God, I thank you again for the amazing children's volunteers who look after our most precious, precious sacred trust every week. Lord, may they know your unbelievable love and approval this week. So, God, we give you praise today as the God who quiets storms, and we ask that you would give us the faith to believe, just like David did, that thou, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. And all God's people said, amen Amen and amen.